Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in-the-weeds expertise from today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. At Content Allies, we turn you and your organization into industry thought leaders. We interview you and your leadership team and then turn those interviews into articles, white papers, videos, podcasts, and social content. Learn more and say hello at contentallies.com. We have Rob Ng of FreshBooks. And for anyone who doesn't know FreshBooks, they're one of the most popular invoicing tools for self-employed professionals. I was personally excited to have Rob on the show because I'm a FreshBooks user myself. And so in this episode, Rob shares his journey of how he landed at FreshBooks. He talks about his first role there as a product marketing manager and all that that entailed. And then he also talks about his transition into his new role as a senior marketing manager. He dives into the many tools and tactics that have helped FreshBooks become successful and shares tons of valuable insights in this episode. Awesome. And uh, so how long have you been working with FreshBooks? What does that look like? Or your, even your career stint? How, how have you gotten to this point here? Uh, it's kind of funny. My career has kind of been in very different capacities in marketing. So I started out in the agency world, more on the promotions marketing side, doing a lot of contests and, you know, and giveaways, etc. Then I kind of had a, what I call a quarter life crisis in my mid 20s. I wanted to do something more with myself. So I went into the nonprofit world, actually, for almost 10 years, um, supporting different nonprofit charities in different marketing capacities. And during that time, actually, towards the end, one of the uh, charities I worked with was a kids conservation organization. And we're building websites for kids to build the community, as well as as, as a fundraising mechanism to raise money for uh, conservation. So it got me really in more into tech and, uh, and then through myself, um, I actually uh, developed a concept and pitched this to uh, a little local startup in Toronto, an incubator called Mars, and got and became a finalist. And so that whole world kind of, you know, in a matter of four months, you know, got accelerated into the world of tech and got me super interested into it. And so I decided, you know what, I think my next move is to take this to the next level. So I've known about FreshBooks for a while. They are a local Toronto uh, based tech company. And so I then just through my contacts, I started working there around three years ago. And so I saw that stint in your in your LinkedIn where you had that kind of startup and everything. And I think that's actually an interesting kind of career track I've seen other people take where literally trying to go, you know, it sounds like you went through this incubator program. Ultimately, the startup didn't work, but it sounded like that launched you into this tech space and ultimately almost got you into the position of FreshBooks. I guess, what did that transition or how did that look? Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, I, you know, if you looked at my resume before FreshBooks, it would be, you know, nothing to do with tech at all, other than some dabbling in websites. And so um, it, it happened with me looking at a certain pain, actually. So in my role, um, in nonprofit especially, there's a high turnover rate of volunteers, of just contract staff. And so we had this problem of hiring and finding great, um, enthusiastic people. And what we found was the resume wasn't doing the job. It was more about who you were and the qualities you can bring. And um, that weren't coming through in all the applications. So 
my uh, director at the time, we developed this idea to help develop more of a digital version of the of the cover letter to kind of reshape um, how people apply uh, for jobs. And so this was this big idea that we had come up with. And so we kind of worked again on this idea and pitched this to Mars and got accepted um, to then go through this, you know, um, this process. And so through that whole process, it gave me, you know, again, this four month intensive, uh, you know, literally, you know, 60 hours a week sort of working on this concept to then build it. And in the end, it didn't work out in the end. Um, it was, a, but it was a good thing actually, because part of that process is learning about lean, the lean startup and how to, you know, work through developing an MVP and, or, or a minimal viable product. So as we were doing that and interviewing, we were finding a lot of holes in what we had assumed would work. And so that was part of the journey and really helped me learn about how to, you know, start small and grow through, um, through insight driven research and through, um, testing along the way. That's incredible. And then, so did you go straight from that into fresh books or what did your career path look like after that incubator? So after that, you know, we realized, you know what, great idea. Um, you know, we went through all this work, didn't feel it was ready enough to actually start building. So I ended up then looking at, and then switched over to fresh books about a month or two later. So it took a bit of time to kind of get through that, but, um, yeah, Basically, since then, I, I made the quote the jump into tech, and for so for the last three years, I've been working in different marketing capacities um, at FreshBooks, starting out uh, in the product marketing side. So working with product to launch uh, new features and apps and communications to our customers. Now to a full time role on acquisition, so a lot of uh, lead generation, top of funnel sort of work, um, and specifically with uh, podcasts of recent. When you were first in that product marketing role, what all did that kind of entail? Like, what does your world look like as someone who's running product marketing at a, a company, a large company like FreshBooks? Uh, interesting. It's it's a product marketing is a really multifaceted role because you're kind of in the middle. You're in the middle between product as well as between our customer. So you are the voice of FreshBooks, and so you have to be customer focused and understand what their, um, you know, what they what their wants are, what their needs are what their issues are at the same time, balancing the product roadmap of what we can actually deliver. So, you know, we, we're a, a fast growing company, but you know, even three years ago, we have doubled since I've started uh, more than doubled. So back then we had a lot fewer developers and we couldn't actually do as much work. So at a day to day level, essentially it was more so coordinating with, um, with our product team on, okay, so what features are we launching? Um, and how do we want, how do we best communicate those features to our, our customers in a way that um, is clear, concise, and customer focused. So it's not about us, but it's about the customer. And so we were that bro that broker, if you will, in between those two teams. So it was sending a lot of emails, you know, on, on social, um, as well as a lot of meetings. Um, you know, what we call our sprint meetings or stand up meetings with our product team to kind of get the updates of what's going on. So it's, it's kind of a, a lot of things. Um, you know, we had some campaigns that we would do. So we would try and do, you know, a, a large launch, if you will, every month. So one larger scale launch, which would, would be multifaceted um, with multiple channels involved. Um, and then um, outside of that, you know, depending on the season, we might do something else on top of that. And so in that role, I mean, what are, because that sounds like a pretty fast paced role where you're literally just, you can't really even plan that far ahead because you're going with whatever the product team is rolling out at the time. So I guess like, what are, how do you kind of deal with that? And what are some of the challenges that, uh, that results out of that? I think one of the biggest challenges is prioritization. 
you know, so, you know, what do we focus on and how much influence can we have as a marketing team to work with product? Because, you know, they are, you know, some of these features might seem simple to do, but in the back end, you know, um, that's where it can be a lot, a lot more difficult. So, which I don't have that knowledge. So it's that constant back and forth of, okay, what do we prioritize next? You know, this one feature we might love, but it might take, um, you know, two full scrum teams. So that's two full, um, integrated development teams to, to launch, or you could launch, you know, these four or five smaller features in the same time. So it's more about a when versus a why or a what. And so, and then our job was to help balance that or for customers, you know, who may be waiting for certain features for months and months and months that might seem really trivial to do, but in the grand scheme of things, we had to prioritize it another way. So that was probably the the most challenging part um, in the role and keeping the lines of communication open, you know, between us and product and us and the customer and having people from our product teams also like understanding what customers are, are saying as well. And it's not just us saying it, we're just representing the customer. And then in terms of communicating that out there and trying to get this out and communicating with the users of this, I mean, imagine you're using email, you're using, you know, in-app notifications, you're probably using social media. Like what what are all the channels that you guys actually use um, in the product marketing to actually communicate this? Yeah. in, In product marketing, it's funny, you know, we talk about tech, we talk about all the channels, but honestly for us, the number one channel that still is tried and true is email. And so we have a lot of, um, uh, emails that go out and they're segmented. So we never really send an email to all our customer base. There's just too many customers and we don't want to be spammy. We've only done that a couple of times. Uh, one being when we have a new product launch, like when I'm, um, like the new fresh books that launched in September, that was a huge global launch. But outside of that, we have, um, a very large segment list that we look at based on the type of customer you are. So based on how you use the product. So if certain features we, we know are not relevant to you, we're not going to flood your email. But if we know that you use the app a certain way, let's say you're a really heavy invoicer, then you might be interested in this uh, feature that that's coming out. So we try and uh, use email in a very strategic way, in a very segmented way. Um, but we also, in addition to that, yes, we do use social media, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, as well as um, LinkedIn. And on Instagram, that's more less about product news. It's more about our culture and our community. Uh, we use uh, LinkedIn for uh, as well. So those are kind of our main ones. And um, and finally, PR. So you know, with our PR team, we we'll work with a lot of tech uh, writers and uh, and websites to get the word out that way too. On the the technical side of that, just segmenting everything like that, is that something that you've had to work and build with the development team over time to be able to segment that? Or what's has there been any technical challenges, I guess, to accomplish what you're wanting to accomplish in marketing along the way? Definitely. It's it's kind of, you know, it's 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 very difficult because again, the for us, you know, the, the bottleneck is mostly in in development, you know, because it takes a long time to build these things. So um, you know, if we want something, for example, Let's say we want to have more sophisticated emails that are based on action. So insight based or so if somebody does something in the app, um, how we would know about that and then be able to then send an email based on that. So that's more sophisticated work that would require development. But overall, um, we can do a lot of it ourselves because in marketing now, it's changed such that at least for me in the last 15 years, 
it's you know very data driven, especially in tech. And so we have access, and we have to have the knowledge now of basic SQL, um, you know, basic database querying to be able to pull out. Um, you know, lists and pull out information from our database yourself. Um, you have to be self-sufficient and not rely on devs to do all this work for you. And so when we're segmenting, we are able to train all of our team uh, and myself included, you know, how to pull queries in our database to understand, you know, um, uh, how to basically segment out ourselves. Is that something that as you got into the role, you were trained and learned how to do? Or did you know how to do this stuff when you came into FreshBooks? Or were those things that you had to kind of pick up and learn along the way? Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, coming in, you know, I was more of a classic marketer, you know, more campaign driven, more brand awareness um, um, and some events, but not less on the data side. So it was a huge learning curve for me. Um, and now it's almost table stakes. You need to know some of these basic things and you don't need to be an expert in, you know, in database and, and in SQL, but you, you should know the basics uh, to be able to then work with people to then get what you need. But I'm finding now with with uh, with because we're in tech and because we are uh, an app, there's so much data in there and so much rich information for us to allow us to have much more targeted, um, timely and relevant uh, messaging for our customers that makes it a much uh, more engaging experience. And so that they feel like, hey, we are actually listening to you individually. You know, it may not be you, only you, but people like yourself versus, you know, everybody in the U.S. We're going to, you know, or just a basic geo segmentation, which is, you know, very basic and not very relevant to our customers. Yeah, it's incredible just to hear how detailed you guys go into that, the time and energy, because it's not just having access to the data. It's also you guys being able to go through, segment that, infer from you know that, and then figure out how do we use this in a meaningful way. And that seems like the challenging part. That's the challenging part, exactly. And then, you know, and then... Yes, you have all this information now. How do you use it? And, and then how do you plan it all out? So it's actually digestible, right? And you're not overlapping, you know, different people or you're inundating one person who happens to be, you know, a power user, right? That happens to be using everything part of the app. Should they be getting all these emails? No. So how do you create rules around that? So a lot of that, info, you know, um, uh, a lot of that work on the product marketing team is to kind of manage that communication um, centralized database. And then in terms of managing all this, what kind of tools and everything is it um, a lot of this custom built? Were there any specific tools uh, that you guys were using in conjunction to kind of manage and use all this? Uh, a lot of them were actually built internally. So some of the internal uh, work to kind of get to query the, the database. But, you know, we've worked with, for example, um, I'll give you some examples of some stuff like uh, Marketo in, uh, or Campaign Monitor for emails in the past. We don't use it anymore. Um, we also have used things like Mixpanel um, to help understand um, what's going on in the app, um, as well as, I'm trying to think of other tools, um, for data analysis, you know, the usual sort of Excel. We've dabbled in uh, Periscope as well and Tableau to look at um, ways to help us analyze our data too. Now, since then, you've moved from product marketing to full-time on acquisition. And so I guess, what was that transition like? How did that even come about? And what did, and what does your new role look like then? Yeah, it's completely changed. Uh, it's, you know what, that's part of the thing about being part of a growing tech company. You know, the only constant is change. And you kind of have to look at 
where's their growth and where's their opportunity? So what I found myself is I had a specific interest um, in segmentation. So in looking at specific groups and how do we best, you know, attract, retain, right, and acquire new ones. Um, So one of the um, big focuses at FreshBooks are creatives. You know, creatives are, you know, as in freelance creatives and marketing as well that tend to use our product. And I was looking at ways from the product marketing side of how to better um, you know, ensure our product is right for them. But there's a huge opportunity outside of that. And so we wanted to find a way to acquire more and outreach more. So I was internally, we were restructuring and trying to see, okay, hey, you know what, we're, we're getting product marketing going. It's kind of getting its engine, but we need some more work on the acquisition side. And so I decided to raise my hand up and go, okay, well, hey, let's take a segment approach. Let's, um, with all the learnings and insights we've gained from our existing customer base. And now let's translate that to find lookalike audiences or people like them, um, uh, externally. And so I made the jump over, um, and started out, um, on the creative side, again, looking at a specific segment and not a certain channel. Uh, and then now one of the opportunities we found was in the podcast channel for FreshBooks, especially because a lot of creatives tend to listen to, um, podcasts. So, and tech as well. And those are the types of people that tend to use FreshBooks. So, um, we kind of started to, we dabbled in this a few years ago, actually, even before I started in it. And then when I was brought on, I was charged to kind of look at how can we better scale this channel? And one of the ways, again, was through specifically looking at marketing and tech and creative-based podcasts that can help support, you know, not only the the podcasts themselves, but also the audiences that they reach. So, you know, because we're a small tech company, we started out, you know, in our CEO's basement, if you will, as a little tech company. And so we really want to foster new adventures and new opportunities. And so helping out podcasters as well is something that we try and do too. So whether that they're just starting out as entrepreneurs um, or they have a growing podcast uh, community themselves and supporting them along the way. So I kind of, it's a bit of a long-winded answer, but um, saw an opportunity, you know, uh, with, with, with a certain segment, made the jump over, and then now looking at certain channels that can better reach that type of customer is where that we're trying to focus on. And so it's interesting where you said that that started from basically taking the learnings of your existing customers and then basically targeting that as, you know, a segment that you're going after as opposed to saying, we're going to go do podcasts. It sounds like you said, these are our customers that we know are the best. And then you came to the conclusion and the idea of going after podcasts. Is that right? Exactly. So exactly. So that was where, you know, it's funny. So one thing I learned, one of the greatest things I learned in product marketing is being, you know, insight and customer driven. So, you know, when I was on that team and I still do it once in a while now here, but I would go out, I would meet with customers. I would have phone calls with them and I'm talking hour calls. One of them invited me in their home, you know, and so I'm sitting there having, cause, because they work from home. They said, well, do you mind if you come over to my office? I was like, well, where's your office? my house. I said, okay. Uh, I told my, I told my team, if I don't return in two hours and maybe you should call me and check up on me. But, um, no, it was, it was really great to kind of, um, get in there and, and immerse yourself in their world, you know, and see what it's like, um, you know, in, as a freelancing creative, you know, what it's like in their home or a coffee shop or co-working space or wherever that they seem to work. Um, and so, 
one of the insights we had was, was talking to them and meeting with them and how they love or hate FreshBooks. Um, we found that they listen to podcasts and that was uh, one of the insights that we got. Wow. You know, they don't tend to listen to, you know, the, the local talk radio station, um, that's on the radio anymore. They're, they're dialing into podcasts and they're on, on their, mostly on their desktop. Whereas one of the assumptions we had made was that it's when they're, at the gym or walking their dog or, and they're still doing that, but a vast majority of them are actually at home or wherever they work listening to podcasts. And so we thought, well, why don't we be there where our audience is and let's support some of these podcasters. And so we started to then, um, spend a lot more time and energy on this channel to see, Hey, where, what else is in there? And so we've now really exploded our, our support of the podcast channel in the last, uh, 14 to 16 months. Nice. And so what does that kind of support look like? Has that been, you know, going out and being active in the podcast community? Has that been sponsorships, starting your own? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, you know, it's funny. People, a, a lot of people have asked me about, when are you going to start your own podcast? And we haven't got there yet. Um, because of the, for me, um, the quality and the content, it's really, that's what drives a great podcast. And so I don't want, you know, some corporate podcast all about FreshBooks that no one's going to want to listen to besides people that work at FreshBooks. <laughs> so, um, you know, we have to rethink that. So before we get into our own content creation, um, what it meant for me was, okay, we've got a couple podcasts, you know, we actually, we had an agency that was doing some of our media buying in the past. We decided let's bring it in house. And so let me, myself and another team member that I brought on board, Let's just do this ourselves and learn from the ground up. And so as if we were starting this, so we would, we handpick, even to this day, to be honest, um, we handpick our podcast by listening to them. So um, my colleague and I and another person helps just listen to podcasts, see what interests us um, that we think would fit um, uh, our target. Uh, in terms of our, our customers, and then go out and outreach individually. So it was a very, very manual process um, versus going to larger media agencies that would do a larger media buy and do like a suite of, you know, typically larger style, more general podcasts um, with a bigger reach because typically those are the type of clients that they have that are more about awareness, but we are a, a direct response advertiser, meaning that we're not looking for the number of impressions, quote unquote, or the number of people that listen, but the response that we get um, from people coming to our site and starting a trial and hopefully becoming a paying customer. So we look at it that way. And so when we were trying to go out, we were not necessarily looking for size, but we were looking for relevancy. And started to test out some of the smaller shows that um, a lot of most advertisers don't go for. And we would, sometimes there are these people that, you know, are just starting out and in their basement <laughs> recording a podcast. They've never had a sponsor outreach to them before. And we have to work with them that way to larger scale ones like through Radiotopia or NPR or Gimlet um, that obviously have much more stronger uh, marketing and sales engines to kind of work with. So we kind of balance the, the two of them. Um, but, but the biggest change for us was bringing it in-house, handpicking it, and kind of slowly testing and learning as we go through uh, the channel. How do you measure this? Because podcasting is one where it's a very... Um, it's not like always like blog posts where it's always you get straight click throughs. Sometimes people go to the links on the site, but sometimes that is a bit harder to measure. And so I'm curious how you guys measure what is effective for you when you're going into this channel. Inter yeah. And that's kind of the, the biggest question that, that I get asked actually a lot, um, especially with podcasters. So, 
Um, so at FreshBooks, again, I mentioned, we're not about the number of impressions. So uh, we don't, not, not that we don't care, but you need to have a minimum number of downloads, you know, to get enough reach. But what we look at is kind of, um, I don't know how many, two or three different vectors. So first, you know, you, I'm sure many of you people who listen to podcasts know you hear about promo codes or landing pages. So that's one way we, we look at it. So the number of people that go to the specific landing page and we would then tag them and cookie them. So then know if they do come back, we know that they first came to us on that landing page. But what we find is the most helpful for us is this section about how you heard about us. Um, so when people are signing up, regardless of what of how they came, so they could have just went to freshbooks.com, they could have clicked on a display ad or an ad on Google. Um, but when they're signing up, there's a question that asks, you know, hey, how did you hear about us? And we found that people who tend to be big followers of podcasts, you know, have cult-ish like followings, really want to say where they came from. And so they are typing them in. And so we actually triangulate that with the number of landing pages with our internal lift factor that we use with our analytics team. Um, So by using those three measures, we get an idea of how um, this podcast is relating. And so with, with our finance team, we have certain thresholds of spend that we can do uh, per uh, opportunity, and so which we call our CPA, so cost per acquisition. So as as long as we can stay within that CPA, um, within that podcast, we're within our threshold, then we can continue to spend um, based on that. So I don't know if that's too technical, but um, that's at a high level how we look at it at a podcast by podcast level. It gets more complicated when it's like a network and there's multiple shows, but at a very basic level, that's sort of how we do it. And we find it works for us because we've developed the internal analytics to be able to understand that podcasting, even though it's a digital channel, it acts like an offline channel, like a TV or like a traditional radio. And you can't attribute direct only um, trials from that landing page, if you will, or promo code. You've got to use other measures to show the, the, the quote lift factor that podcast helps bring. Yeah, it's kind of interesting now that's almost come full cycle where we went from, you know, just TV and radio and everything went to online digital where you could track everything. And now there's podcasting where it's almost back to that TV radio where it's harder to track again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so a lot of advertisers um, just are scared of it. And I understand why, you know, it's hard to uh, attribute, especially when you're used to display or search or Facebook, when every single, you know, view through or click through or everything is pretty much tracked. And so, um, yes. And who's, you know, I'm not to say podcast is our only channel. No, it's just one that one of many that really helps float many boats. And so we're doing a lot of work internally to help prove that as well. Um, you know, what we're calling, you know, the, the whole question of a multi-channel attribution. So, you know, yeah, you may have heard us on a podcast and then later on you saw a, uh, an ad on Facebook and clicked on that ad, but you know, that listening to that ad and hearing him on, you know, on, on a podcast that you really like, hopefully, you know, we, we believe um, was a factor in getting you to think more about FreshBooks because you're hearing about us in more than one place. In your role, are you solely focused on podcasting as a form of growth? Are you also managing other uh, acquisition channels or what all does, does that entail for you? Yeah, I, I manage a, a bunch. Um because podcasting, we're in that heavy scaling mode this year, especially. I had a lot of 
um, uh, time and spent to kind of just develop the, the groundwork level to get this going. And so that's been a lot of my focus, but I also, um, have some folks on my team that manage the affiliate and marketplace channels. So, you know, it's, it's not like podcasting that it's sponsorship, but it's more a paper commission, you know, um, sort of work. So a lot of bloggers, uh, content creators, um, that would come to us that don't necessarily have a podcast, but want to get compensated for any leads or sales that come through. We work with all of them. So, um, so I work on those as well, uh, moving in this channel. So our, um, our acquisition team is sort of based on, you know, we have the, the, the podcast sponsorships and affiliate sponsorships, and then we have our online advertising. So our display search, uh, SEO and uh, paid social as well. Uh, so it sounds like you're kind of spearheading the podcasting, but you also have a bit of a management role of overseeing a handful of other people who are working on some of those acquisition channels. Is that right? Or Exactly. Yeah. So, and now that I'm feeling like uh, you know, we're getting in a good place with podcasting. I'll probably, you know, uh, look to some more other opportunities and kind of, you know, get someone else on my team to help manage the, the podcast channel in the 2017. Nice. And so, yeah, what is next or what, what does the future hold for, for you and also for fresh books, I guess, what's your kind of plans for the, the upcoming years? Um, well, as I mentioned a little earlier, you know, the all new fresh books just launched in September. It's been almost three years in the making. And so we've done, you know, we're really proud of it. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, launching a baby, you know, it's just starting. There's so many things that we, that we, that we can do. And so our goal right now is to get it at parity with the classic version or the original fresh books that's out there. And so once that's ready, we're at a velocity now that our product marketing team can't keep up with, the number of features that are coming out. So it's a great problem to have. And so with that, we think there's a huge opportunity for us to grow into um, more and more um, uh, of the future of work, if you will. You know, the, the, the state of work is changing. There are more and more small business owners and freelancers than ever, and it's growing at a rapid rate. And so we want to be there and to really help support them to show that they can run their business without having to learn accounting. That's really our, our vision. So we want to grow into that and really live up to that challenge. And part of that is to one, get the product where it needs to be. And then two, grow into the, the, the specific people we serve. So service-based small business owners or self-employed professionals. So that would be folks like, um, creatives I mentioned or marketing it, you know, um, even, even the trades, uh, is, is happening. So for us, it's kind of growing into a more integrated approach, you know, so not just looking at just the podcast channel or just affiliates, but as a whole, how are we targeting this type of customer and, and looking at multi, um, multiple channels to help reach that, that individual. That's incredible. And it's, I mean, you're right. It's such a growing market where more and more people every year are going out into the freelancing, the consulting kind of realm. And uh, it seems like you guys are really positioning yourself in that ripe spot to grow with them. And it sounds like you're planning on growing the product to continue to serve them with new features or new ways that that can help become a part of their workspace. Exactly. You know, and part of that research, you know, what's great of having the, the, uh, the original FreshBooks or for FreshBooks Classic is that 10 years of, you know, data and research and customers. So we spoke to like, I don't know, over a thousand customers coming in our doors and on phones to work with them on this new product. And so we have a lot of new, you know, and 
new a new approach and now on the back end allowing our, our dev teams to be able to then launch at a much faster rate so we're super excited because you know one in terms of three major uh, principles of, of our new product as we grow is one is that we want to make sure that we're built for owners um, and not for accountants and you know accountants are important for your business don't get me wrong but as a freelancer or a small business owner you are the one looking at, at, at our product every single day so you want to make sure that it's easy it's uh, easy to use um, intuitive and not intimidating um, uh, for for somebody who's running their small business secondly um, being powered by relationships you know, so an invoice is just a piece of paper, but it means a lot more. It's your relationship um, of, of the services you provided to your to your customer. And so there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of, um, you know, small um, but very, very deep relationships that, that are held that we can help foster better within our, our product. And finally, um, being more, more personalized. So now that we have this new product and we know who we serve, we're going to better serve them and tailor our products more specifically to the type of business you run. So that's kind of where we want to grow into in the future. Yes, that's incredible. And I, and I love those principles. And as, as an owner and product uh, user of the product myself, I see how important and all of those are. And I even see how you guys incorporate those into the products, just the ability to send notes with invoices or the notes for clients or anything along those lines. So you guys do do a really good job and it's clear that you've listened to your customers along the way. So love what you guys are doing. Awesome. That's great. Rob, for anyone out there who wants to learn more about you or FreshBooks Online, where can they go to find out more? Well, you know, obviously go to uh, freshbooks.com. You know, we just relaunched our website. So you have all the information uh, there. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come here on the show, Rob. And uh, thanks a ton for doing this. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me and and good luck on the podcast. I'm looking forward to uh, listening to this down the road. Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find links and show notes from today's episode at leadersofb2b.com.